do want to agree with Judy. Um, we don't talk enough about our prayer warriors who are faithful to go to that prayer room. And I'm grateful for each person who is there because God doesn't do anything when His people won't pray. So uh, I want to thank everyone who is a part of that ministry. I think that um, God blesses and honors that. I think it's a tremendous blessing that we have saints among the body that um, realize we've got to cry out to God. If we don't cry out to God, we're not going to hear from God. And so I'm very grateful for that. We are in uh, Numbers 13 and 14, but I'm actually going to Scripture reading from Joshua. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we've been looking at those in the Scriptures that don't get a lot of print in the Bible, but certainly have made a big impact. And the successor of Moses was a guy named Joshua. But there was another man who was also a, a good friend and a dynamic part of Joshua's life by the name of Caleb. We're actually going to look at him tonight. And for our scripture reading, I want to look in Joshua 14, verses 6 through 15, that tell us about Caleb receiving the inheritance, which he waited for for 45 years of faithful living. I mean, you think about it, especially this society we live in. You know, we have microwaves. We have fast food. Uh, we want everything to come instant. And um, yet, I can't remember who it was now. I heard some preacher talk about spiritual maturity. He said, well, it just depends on what you want. He said, um, you know, if you want an acorn, you can go pick one in your yard. But if you want an oak tree you got to let it grow for a lot of years. And so it is with walking with God. As the, roots, as the roots grow deep, we grow strong. But that doesn't happen overnight. Now, with that in mind, let's look at Caleb. Uh, this is Joshua 14. I want to read verse 6 through 15. And ask you to stand in our God's honor as I read from the text. Now, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. 
you yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest for more. Let's pray. Father, I, I think about that last phrase. It, it's easy to overlook. This land used to be called. But that's changed. Because God has brought victory to His people. These are new days. And walking with you brings a new life. And I thank you for Caleb. I thank you for his walk. I thank you, Father, that although I'm sure those 45 years had a lot of fear, he walked with you, and you got him through it, Lord. We are not called to be bold and courageous without ever feeling afraid or defeated. We are called to stay close to you, because you will work regardless of how we feel, Lord. And I pray tonight as we take some time and Look at this familiar account. Father, may we think about this guy who, he might not have received a lot of print, but man, what power. I would love to have hung around with that guy. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to take a little time to hang around with him. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, you guys know what the command that God gave to His people more than any other command in the Scriptures is? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Now, I, since He said, do not be afraid, that must mean that we are afraid a lot. And there are certain um, things that I fear. Uh, one of those, snakes. I am terrified of snakes. I just don't. Don't bother Cindy a whole lot, some, but I mean... You know, they make my skin shiver. And I read this week about a pop star, Indonesian pop star, 29 years old by the name of Ida Buell, who performs on stage with snakes wrapped around her. And Well, anyway, she had a king cobra by her feet. She stepped on the king cobra's tail. It bit her on the thigh. And while she was performing on stage, she died said there was enough poison in a king cobra to kill 20 people or an elephant. She thought the snake had been defanged. Nope. Like I said, ugh. Um, you know, as you think about things to be afraid of, I, uh, when we were in Long Island, New York, there was a guy that would come to our church named Mike Cooney. And I used to talk to Mike quite a bit. And Mike loved the Lord, uh, but he was plagued by fear. It's, oh, Pastor Todd, what about this? What about that? What about this? So I remember, his big thing, Cooney always said, he said, you know, Pastor Todd, he said, it's like this. I love Jesus, but I'm telling you, if they ever wanted to torture me and start trying to pull out my toenails or my fingernails, I don't know if I could make it. And, you know, Mike had this big fear of this happening. And the truth of the matter is, um, 
I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't know anybody, at least from Bristol, that's had their toenails or fingernails pulled out because of their faith, at least not to this day. Um, and chances are I'm not going to step on a king cobra and get bitten. It may be I also read that you're uh, ten times more likely to die in a car wreck than in surgery. And yet I don't want to go to surgery. Um, but when you think about being in a car, sometimes, you ever think about just how crazy that is? You're in this hunk of metal and you're going down the road at excessive speeds looking through thick glass. Does that ever strike you as a little bit nuts? And we, we do it all the time. The truth is, there are many things we could be afraid of and we could live in fear. And yet, what does our Lord say to us? Matthew six thirty three and 34. Right? Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you or given to you as well. And, and do you know verse 34 by chance? It says... Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what is the call? The call is to take each day, and we say it one day at a time, one moment at a time, trusting God through that. As we look at Joshua, and as we look at Caleb, I I see a man who was able to walk with the Lord for those 45 years and to stay strong and to stay true, although I'm sure he had his moments. Uh, Our focus in Numbers 13 and 14, uh, we read about them going out as spies in order to survey the land. And it was a, a mission to be able to discern what was in that land. (laughs) And uh, pick it up. This is chapter 13. I'm going to pick it up at verse 18. To see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How's the soil? (laughs) fertile or is it poor trees or not so they're going out to be able to survey the land to discover what is there verse 22 we read they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahaman Shishai and Talmai the descendants of Anak lived Hebron had been built seven years before Zone in Egypt verse 23 it says when they reached the valley of Eskel, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. Jewish tradition tells us it was actually Joshua and Caleb, although it doesn't say this specifically here, who carried that fruit back as evidence of what was in the land. And it's still interesting that in Israel, part of their tourism motto is a cluster of grapes on a pole. That, of course, is significant to the reminder of this account that God had promised this land to the people, and it was a land that was blessed, flowing with milk and honey, and it was theirs to claim for their own. Notice uh, in verse 27, 
There's the report on what they found that was shared with the people. It says, uh, 1327, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. In other words, there are giants in that land. I don't care how it looks. Have you seen how big and strong and tough those guys are? We're not going there. That's suicidal. Don't you just love Caleb? Look at verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people. You know, I can just see him. What's he say? He speaks and he says, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do. What's he say? What we would say is in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? He says, you're looking at the giants, I'm looking at God. The giants aren't so big when you're looking at God who's on your side, who is the victorious one. He quieted the people. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. Wow, look what they said about him. It says, all the people we saw there are of great size. It says, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. You come to chapter 14 and Joshua and Caleb tried to convince the rest of the people that they should obey God and that they should go forth to claim the land that God gave them. But they were outnumbered. And unfortunately, I want you to notice verse 20 as it speaks to their reply of of, uh, what happened to them. It says, um, verse I was looking for. The verse that talks about that the people became so mad that they ended up saying let's stone Joshua and Caleb or this report that they have given. Verse 10. Thank you, Dwayne. The whole assembly talked about stoning them. Now here they are. They're just trying to be good examples. Let Jesus, we just sang it, you know, flow through you. And what happens, the response is, let's kill these guys. Let's shut them up. We're not going to go to that land. It's dangerous to enter into that land. Look at God's response down in verse 29. In this desert... Your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb and Joshua. Wow. What they will face. Surely none of you but these two men will enter the land. 
Look at verse 24 and the testimony that we learn about Caleb. What a great testimony. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. I love that wholeheartedly. As you look at what is written about Caleb on six different occasions, that word's used. That Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Back in Joshua 14, verse 10 that we read earlier, I love it. He said, I'm 85 years old today. Just as strong as I have ever been. Those 45 years have passed. And he is ready still to charge into battle. Here was a guy when he was young. He was a slave. He remembered what it was like to make bricks without straw. He remembered what it was like to go through the plagues. And to see the Red Sea as it parted. And to be fed with manna. And to have that rock. Pour forth water to see giants in Hebron. But why were they compared to God? As God would now bring forth the victory. In Jewish traditions, there are three stages of growing older. Uh, At 60 to 70 years old, it's called the commencement of old age. That's when you're just starting to be old. 60 to 70, the commencement of old age. And then they're 70, 80 years old. That's called the hoary-headed years or the years of white hair where the white hair sets in. And then the last stage, over 80 years, was referred to in the Jewish tradition as well-stricken in years. Over 80, well-stricken in years. So uh, if you're over 80, I'm not trying to make a declaration here. But uh, the picture here is, here's a man 85 years old, considered a Jewish tradition, well-stricken in years. And, but he's not ready to go to a nursing home. He's ready to build him a home in Hebrew. 85 years old. Like I said, what a guy. Wouldn't it be fun just to hang around with him? I mean, talk about a spirit of, with God, we're a majority. And we can move forward and we can conquer this. Why Hebron? Why did he want to build a home in Hebron? Why did he want that land of Hebron? It, well, it's about 20 miles from Jerusalem. What, what's special about that land? That was the land where Abraham worshipped God. That was the land where he heard God speak to him promises. Precious, precious promises. Abraham buried his wife, Sarah, in a cave there with a hope of seeing her again one day. With a hope in the living God. Hebron was the place where Jacob lived. It was the place where Joseph tended his sheep. It was a place where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rebekah, Leah, and Joseph were all buried. It was one of the most sacred spots to the Hebrews. It was a place that signified communion with God. And it was a place where the giants lived. Truth of the matter is, any place worth having, there's other people that see it as well. There are giants in the land. There is a place with communion with God, but it is not a place that's free from trouble. Matter of fact, um, 
from Caleb's testimony here, I just want to draw a couple of points that we can learn from. First, the walk of faith does not erase the problems of life. Man, all they could see were the giants, and they measured themselves against the giants. All Caleb could see was God. He measured the giants next to God and how awesome God is. Secondly, um, when you desire to follow after God, you invite trouble (laughs) to come after you. Don't expect there to not be complications. When you take a bold stand for God, trouble will follow. I mean, it says in, I can't remember now if it's 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 3.10, but the verse says, in fact, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Persecution comes with taking a stand for God. Not that any of us want to be rejected. Well, I love rejection. Now, you're a nut if you love rejection. We all want to be loved. But the question is, who do we love the most? And sometimes, when we choose to love God the most, other people don't like it. And there's trouble on the horizon. And we live in a culture where we're seeing more and more of that. Where people take a stand of their convictions for God and other people want to shut that off to, uh, to stifle their witness. Third, when you desire the sacred place of communion, you discover it is an uphill climb. They climbed up. Um, that's why they call it spiritual disciplines. They don't call it spiritual entertainment or spiritual vacations. It's spiritual disciplines. There is an upward climb that's involved, but a climb that is well worth it to follow those disciplines and to follow God. Fourthly, the desired promises of God develop the most faith in those who are willing to wait. It takes time. This took 45 years. Man, Caleb was ready to march in there and immediately take the inheritance. But the other people didn't feel that way. They wanted to stone Caleb. They wanted to snuff out his life for his courage to follow God. Man, he could have been bitter. He could have said, These, this stupid community of Hebrews, they don't believe in God and, and they're denying me from receiving what is mine. He, he could have said, there's just such a rebellion of God. I'm going to have nothing to do with these people. I hope God just strikes them down. But there's no evidence of that. He waited 45 years, but we don't see him bitter. We don't see him resentful. We don't see him isolated. We don't see him angry at God or the other people around him. We just see him ready to charge in and to take that inheritance with a fully devoted heart to God. Reminds me of George Mueller. Many of you have heard his name. George Mueller and his wife had a burden for children. They noticed specifically little girls who did not have a home and were suffering. And it was said by the time Mueller turned 70 years old, he had cared for more than 2,000 boys and girls in his orphanage. In 1832, when they saw the need and started taking care of children, 
and meeting their need, there were 10,000 children in prison in England under the age of eight because they had nowhere to go. And so they had a burden and they had a heart for these children. And God would work through that burden and that faith to care for these children. As you look in their journal, it says when they started the ministry, here's what they had. They had almost no money. They had three dishes, 28 plates, three uh, three basins, one jug, four mugs, three salt shakers, one grater, four knives, and five forks. And yet they would end up caring for thousands of orphans and distributing two million Bibles and three million gospel tracts and starting 117 schools. But then when George Mueller turned 70, you know, right when you hit that point of the white hair age, he decided uh, that God was calling him to a different type of ministry. You know, five times during those years of ministry, he had gone to the mission board and he had applied to become a missionary. And five times he was turned down. But at 70 years old and watching God take care of thousands of orphans and bringing in money without him even asking, he decided, who needs a mission board? <laughs> so for the next 20 years, he would travel. And um, he went some 200,000 miles, visited 42 countries, and preached 6,000 times. And his favorite text was Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There's something special about walking with God and then coming to that point of being able to say, God took care of me all these years. What an awesome testimony. To be able to be at a place where people can say, this guy walked with God. I'm not saying this guy, according to how we define greatness in in our culture, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a real, true, genuine walk with a living God. At 91 years of age, George Mueller said, I am unspeakably happy. I could see Caleb saying the same thing as he built that home in Hebron. I am unspeakably happy. There are a lot of things we can regret in life that I don't think you'll ever regret. Having a heart sold out for God. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for this testimony of Caleb. He was a man, Father, who could have easily become bitter and discouraged because those around him, Father, they didn't want to listen to you or him. But, Father, you gave him the strength to stay close to you and to serve you wholeheartedly those years Father, uh, here we are. You know us. Some of us uh, feel pretty weak. Help us, Lord. Our ability to serve you wholeheartedly needs your 
your help, Lord. And so I just pray that you might fill us to the full with the Spirit of God and that we might see you clearly and that we might be reminded that we too have a great, great inheritance. And it was not won by us. Lord, you you said the first part of Joshua that, hey, wherever you walk, I'm going to give that land to you. Father, you walked before us up a hill called Golgotha where you were on an old rugged cross. And it's from there that we received an inheritance that was evidenced by the resurrection from the dead. (laughs) Wow. Father, um, give us that resurrection power, Lord. There's people all around us that need to see you, not us. So I pray that resurrection power would be evident that they might see you in our lives, that they might say of us like they said of Caleb, he served the Lord wholeheartedly. Father, you know where we are. You know what we need. I just ask that we would respond to the prompting of your Holy Spirit tonight as we've considered Caleb. Father, may we take a good look at where we are and where you want us to be and respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.